Welcome back, gaming friends. It's time for an episode of Candid Cardboard. In this monthly series, we get candid with the cardboard. Here you will find genuinely blunt and brutally honest opinions about board games that recently made it to the table. Most often, these are first impressions of hot new releases, birthed from the tabletop tastes of one hobbyist gamer slash designer. I am your host, Nick Murray, and this is the Bitewing Games Podcast. got a whole spectrum of games on the menu today from massive sprawling space epics to tiny cute 10 minute fillers let's see how they fared at the table first up we're going to talk about sidereal confluence remastered edition which was released in 2020 so far i've had one play of this game and holy space cubes what a barn burner of a negotiation game trust me when i say that I am the first person who runs and hides from a bland cube pusher. Century Spice Road? I'm out. Terraforming Mars? Wake me up when it's over. Through the Ages? Yeah, no thanks. Sidereal Confluence is one cube-swamped game that you have to play to believe. I am blown away by the thought and care that went into the creation of this game, and I am shook by how much fun I had trading cubes spending cubes, and earning cubes like some kind of unrestrained cube addict. This masterclass design takes the addictive, simultaneous trading loop of Chinatown to the next level for people willing to sit through a longer rules explanation. Fortunately, this version provides an invaluable one-sheet teaching guide that makes the teach much easier for both instructor and listener. The plentiful converters and fascinating asymmetry of sidereal confluence combine into a perfect blend of negotiation stew. I'm tickled by the ability to trade or loan cards to other players, as this feels like a bottomless well of strategery that we merely dipped our toes in on our first play. On top of that, these alien races all seem wildly unique and lovingly crafted for engaging replayability and dynamic interactions. This remastered production is a knockout from head to toe. The cubes are satisfyingly heavy, the rules are blessedly clear, and the graphic design is thoroughly thoughtful. The insert is great, yet I'm eager to seek out a custom insert that hopefully separates the cubes and factions for even faster setup and teardown. This is one design that I am dying to play over and over and over again, which is why it was my top hot game on our recent podcast hot 10 which you haven't seen that you should definitely check it out but my current rating for sidereal confluence is a big whopping 10 out of 10 and i got i gotta play this again all right next up we're going to talk about sequoia which i have played two times now sequoia uses dice allocation and area majority to good effect in this quick simple pretty game this is a decent way to kill 10 minutes of time the game is played simultaneously as players roll five of their own dice, these tiny, cute little things, and secretly form two pairs of them. The revealed pairs determine where your two tree tokens go for area majority, as players compete for first and second place points after ten rounds. Now, the tiebreaker phase is perhaps my favorite part. 
Any ties are resolved by playing extra rounds, with the first person to place a tree token on the card claiming it. While that is in some ways just a roll-off to see who gets the right number first, I found myself having to decide between one tie and another. Which tied card do I put off for another round and hope that nobody else swoops in and claims? Sequoia is an all-around solid filler that should amuse anyone, but we don't play fillers nearly enough to justify owning and playing this one over other more interesting options. My current rating is 6.5 out of 10 for Sequoia. Now we're going to talk about another filler in this trilogy for BoardGameTables.com. That is GPS, which we have played one time. Now GPS provides a nifty concept for a filler with the main attraction being the spinner. Wherever the spinner lands, players will select one of their satellites, numbered 1 through 12, to place or move there, or in the next open space in either direction if they already have a satellite there. This is all in an effort to be the first to line up your satellites in numerical order in a clockwise direction around the board. It's definitely more fiddly than we'd like, as the satellites don't quite fit around the board. Because the satellites are a bit wider than the spaces they are supposed to line up with, things get crowded and messy when multiple spaces in a row are filled. This issue is compounded with the slight movements of the board that frequently occur while spinning the rocket. There were times where it was hard to tell which space a satellite was supposed to be in. While it's not a huge effect on the game outcome, it does dampen and distract from the fun a bit. As far as strategy and meaningful decisions go, they are fairly few and far between. The best move is almost always obvious. For a 10 minute filler, it's hard to give weight to any of these complaints, and you can certainly do a whole lot worse than GPS. This one seems best with a loud, lighthearted group who cheers the eye-catching spinner onward, although I can see things getting even messier with more players. Current rating, 5.5 out of 10. And finally, the third game in this trilogy of fillers is Mountain Goats, with one play at the table so far. Mountain Goats is a game of King of the Hill with multiple hills being contested. Dice allocation is used to get a player's goats to the top of the hills, where they can start raking in points until another player knocks them off those hills. There's certainly some fun to be had here, but decisions are fairly predictable, as there's only so much you can do with your dice rolls. It also seems like adding more players to the game will simply increase the playtime by another 5 minutes per player, as goats are more frequently knocked back down and have to spend multiple rounds climbing back up. I just don't see myself opting for this filler for two to four players when for an extra 10 or 20 minutes we can get so much more bang for our buck with the likes of an oink game, for sale, high society, love letter, a solid roll and write, a whole slew of killer two player games, and more. Current rating for Mountain Goats, 6 out of 10. Next let's talk about Eclipse, second dawn for the galaxy. This one <laughs> is a little bit funny. We only have a half of a play of this game. That's right. But it does count for a few hours of playing and enjoying Eclipse. So when I first looked into Eclipse Second Dawn for the Galaxy, I saw the board game geek weight or complexity of 3.5, which is medium to heavy and are on the slightly heavy side of medium, and I expected a reasonably straightforward game overall. Yet, I wasn't prepared for the sheer scope of Eclipse and the way it boldly spans across both literal time and space. This is an epic war game and a rare design that made me lust for a larger table and longer chunks of free time to satisfy its demands and bask in its payoffs. 
Likewise, we don't have the playmat, and it certainly isn't required to play and enjoy Eclipse, but it's definitely something I intend to pick up eventually, because a game of this ambition is worthy of such vanity. The game requires two entire tables of space, at least at our home, just to keep everything within reach. And even then, I don't see this game ever getting played at our home again until we upgrade to a much larger table. The biggest issue was that the expanding map of tiles quickly encroaches on player areas if players explore outward. Despite me being the space banker who had to constantly retrieve components from our second nearby table, the gameplay justified its sprawling size and extra effort. Players can claim any research tiles they want, provided they can meet the required cost. Ship upgrades are even more sandboxy, as you can customize and specialize your fleet however you please. Every aspect of this experience has been carefully thought out and ironed down to make the play as smooth as possible, courtesy of game trays. Passing the research and upgrade trays around like they are appetizer platters is a constant and luxurious affair. The lure to explore and expand outwards is ever-present, with more discovery bonuses and population squares always within reach. The catch is that spreading yourself too thin in a quest for dangling carrots will simply make you look more appetizing to the predatorial foes of the galaxy. This is a war game after all, and goodies are generously awarded to those who seek destruction and domination. With the streamlined experience and relatively condensed playtime, I don't see any other epic war game dethroning Eclipse from my collection. Unfortunately, our first play of it was stopped short when one player was called into work mid-game, but we were all fully invested and enjoying ourselves up until then. My current rating for Eclipse is 9 out of 10. And finally, we'll end with Reiner Kinesia's Babylonia, which I have two plays of so far and expect many more. If you're a glutton for Kinesia tile layers like me, then you really should be getting yourself a copy of Babylonia. This one feels like a hybrid between Samurai's tents, tile majorities, and through the desert's dangling carrots and snaking connections. The big differences here are that points are constantly slash instantly awarded. Unique abilities slash bonuses are up for grabs, and decisions have a much wider ripple effect. While the game provides a constant flow of juicy decisions, it lacks the dramatic moments of Tigris and Euphrates and Ra, so I'm not about to put it above those. Nevertheless, there are several interesting strategies here that one can lean into for lucrative points. The relative values of these strategies all hinge upon your opponents, making this a highly dynamic game. So while Samurai feels more cutthroat and opportunistic, and Through the Desert keeps a clean slate and smooth tempo, Babylonia forges its own path by providing subtly critical choices that ripple throughout the arc of the game. Therefore, none of these games cannibalize each other, at least within my collection. While the game board suffers a bit from lack of clarity, the wooden tokens and racks, at least of the latest printing, are a nice touch, so I guess the production is a bit of a wash? It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, we've been favored with another killer Kinesia. That's why this game was categorized as a lover in my recent revisit of the best board games of 2019, which you can find on our blog at bitewinggames.com. Now, who wants to play Babylonia? Current rating for this game, 9 out of 10. This concludes another episode of Candid Cardboard, my first impressions of new releases. Have you tried any of these games yet? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Please shoot your thoughts back at us through Twitter or Facebook or the like. We love to discuss games and we love to discuss and debate opinions on games. That's why we're here, right? Oh, and to play them, of course. 
Until next time, you've been listening to the Bite Wing Games Podcast. <laughs>